Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Tuesday, October the 25th, 2022. My name is Stephen Carnegie. Welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day, genteel which means graceful in manner or appearance. Genteel. Hope everyone is enjoying their Tuesday. Uh, Sort of a start of the work week, if you could say early on, we're missing one day. Uh, Monday, of course, is always the the hardest for most of us coming up off that weekend. But we're here in this Tuesday morning. Uh, Weather here in North Carolina, man, got had some fog earlier this morning that is, you know, is expected to burn off by 10 or so. But uh, went out early this morning. I had to take my daughter to school. Man, it was kind of foggy. Uh, Temperature-wise, it's pretty good, though. Uh, Temperatures are in the high 70s. Uh, Expected to be a cool-down of sorts uh, coming close to the weekend. Expected to be some rain, and then the temps will go back up into the 70s. That's usually how it is around here, early fall, early fall. Temperatures may mid to high 70s. Like I said, feels good. Went outside yesterday. Um, man, I started sweating. <laughs> I just did. I just did. But uh, it still feels good. I'll take that in comparison to that summer heat. I just will. I just will. That's just me. That's just me. All right, let's get along here. I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys yesterday. Let's talk about some Sunday football. Wow. The Kansas City falling apart again. Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers 44-23. That's the second time that the 49ers have lost. Remember, they lost to the Falcons last week, and they came back and lost to the Chiefs this this week. Man, uh, they're losing to some teams that shouldn't even be in their atmosphere. Wow, just wow. Uh, The Steelers uh, lost to the Miami Dolphins 10-16. Tua came back. Uh, he's looking pretty good. He, he's looked like he's getting back into the groove, if I could say that. First game back since that, uh, man, that scary and horrific fall in uh, his limbs seizing up uh, or tightening up, I should say. I don't know about seizing. But, uh, yeah, he's back. They, they won. And uh, the New Orleans Saints were defeated by the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh-oh. Murray may be on to something. Maybe he's getting into his groove. They defeated the Saints 42-34. And the Cleveland Browns were defeated by the Baltimore Ravens 23-20. But in a kind of surprise, (laughs) the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were defeated by the Carolina Panthers 21-3. Man, the woes continue for football, Tommy. Wow. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, by the way. Just couldn't, just couldn't. And uh, the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons were defeated by the Cincinnati Bengals. Falcons, after defeating the 49ers, came to, they couldn't hang with the Bengals, looks like. They lost 35 to 17. And, oh, God, sweet baby Jesus, help us all. The Dallas Cowboys defeated the Detroit Lions 24 to 6. And as you all know, those Cowboy fans are still on that horse. This is our year. We're going to the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. And uh, the New York football giants continue to win. Uh, They defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 23 to 17. 
Just did. Just did. And in another surprising defeat, the Washington Commanders, who defeated the Chicago Bears last week, defeated the Green Bay Packers 23-21. to Man, Packers, uh, I believe they lost about three or four in a row. What is going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Go Pack Go. <laughs> go right to the stands. That's where you guys are going. You ain't going nowhere near the Super Bowl. <laughs> Just like the Cowboys. Just like the Cowboys. Tennessee Titans, uh, they defeated the Indianapolis Colts 19-10. to uh, oh, Wow, still hard to say it. The Las Vegas Raiders defeated the Texas Titans 38-10. And, uh, man, the Jets haven't really... You know, the, the Jets, going back, looking at their record and looking at the game where they they defeated the Packers, the Jets, they've got a pretty good record this year. They defeated the Denver Broncos. Uh, Russell Wilson, his woes and troubles, he continues to lose. They defeated the Denver Broncos 16-19. Yeah, the Jets got a pretty nice squad. I got to say, that defensive line looks good. I uh, don't know how far they're going to go, but they, they're, they're certainly turning some things around. And on Monday night, Football. The Chicago Bears defeated the New England Patriots 33 to 14. Yes. And I'm not going to celebrate too much because that's the first win the Bears have had in about, man, maybe three games. So there's not going to be too much celebration uh, for me, but they look good once they got themselves together, got grounded, got settled. They, uh, hey, they put 33 points on the board. So they look good. We'll see what happens. Uh, not going to be like the Cowboys and Packers and start screaming uh, as a fan. This is our year we're going to the Super Bowl. I don't I doubt that. I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. But, hey, it is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. They defeated the Patriots. And in some NBA news, the Memphis Grizzlies defeated the Brooklyn Nets 134-24. to Now, the Memphis Grizzlies were coming off that loss where they played Dallas a few days ago, and Dallas just pretty much put on a clinic. Morant was um, he was not a contributing factor at all. Uh, so, But the crazy thing is, last night, Memphis, they got the Nets in, in foul trouble. Um, pretty much the whole squad. And Ben Simmons end, ended up fouling out of the game. Man, yeah. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, they are that one of those super teams. <laughs> they ain't looking so super. And speaking of super teams, the Los Angeles Lakers were defeated by the Portland Trail Blazers 106 to 104. Uh, the Lakers are 0 3 right now. They are, and they look horrible. They just do. They look horrible. They look, uh, they, they look like they're, they, they don't know how to work together. I'm just going to be honest with you. They look horrible. And I think it's starting to finally affect LeBron James also. Hey, there's only so much he can do. It, 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 that's just that. And, and man, the Lakers, to see them on the floor, they're missing shots. They're throwing up air balls, bricks. Their passing is off. They can't run the floor. They can't get back on defense. They can't stay on offense. They can't get any offensive rebounds or defensive rebounds. These teams are just wrecking shot on the Lakers. This is not the Lakers that I know. This is not the Lakers that I, I'm a, a major fan of. 0-3. I can't remember the last time the Lakers were 0-3. I'm sure some of you out there may can, but I just can't. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's so disheartening to watch them. It is. It just is. 
we'll see what happens. Maybe they can turn it around at some point in time. All right, let's move along here. Uh, so the Raleigh Police Department here in North Carolina, they released that five-day report as it relates to that mass shooting uh, about two weeks ago. Now we know a little something about the uh, 15-year-old and his uh, how he orchestrated. Uh, once again, I tell you, it was planned. And when you hear these details, you'll say, yeah, it was planned also. He was hunting. Uh, they found him when they did corner him in their shed. They found out he had a shotgun, a hunting knife, a handgun, and several types of ammo in that camouflage book pack. It just just did. Along with, uh, you know, he was dressed from head to toe and camouflage. He had that camouflage book bag and that contained several rounds of ammunition, it looks like. Now, the report states that Raleigh Police Department fired 23 times into the barn where he was where he barricaded himself in after he killed those five people. So it was Raleigh Police Department. And also there were four Wake County Sheriff's deputies that opened fire as well. So. Man, um, this is how his his uh, well this this is how he carried his pl his plan out. Now uh, he first shot and stabbed his 16 year old brother in the home. Then he left out of the house. He shot and killed his 59 year old neighbor. You know, I told her told you that was the one that stayed two doors down from him. That was out getting ready to walk her dog, and he ended up shooting her in the front yard. Just that cold cackle, just, just cold. Yeah, there's no way in the world you can't tell me he didn't know that lady. He stayed two doors down. He, he may not have known her, but he's, I, I guarantee you he's seen her in passing. So after he did that, he went around the house. He went to cut through the path because the greenway sits right behind the houses. So he went through the greenway, came out some, some time later, and shot and killed that off-duty police officer that, that that we now know. He was sitting in front of his house. He was waiting on, it was a uh, daily routine, I guess. He was waiting on his wife to come home to give her a kiss goodbye before he went on duty. Yeah. So he shot and stabbed his brother in the home, shot and walked outside, shot and killed his 59-year-old neighbor, and then went around the back of the house, went through the greenway, popped back out and shot and killed an off-duty police officer that was sitting in plain clothes in front of his home. Man. So uh, he then went back on that greenway. This is why I say he was popping in and out of that greenway. Went back out and out of that, uh, went back onto that greenway, crossed over a bridge. And this is why I also say he knew what he was doing. He planned this. This was a cold calculated planned attack because he crossed over a bridge that sat by a school and, and, and officials are saying, hey, you got to know that greenway. You know where you're going. Nobody uh, close to anyone that's, you don't know about a bridge on a greenway. You don't know how to maneuver yourself around that to get back on, I guess, what you would call the straight path to the greenway. After he hopped over that bridge, he then shot and killed his fourth and fifth victim, which were two women, one of which was jogging. She was an avid runner, marathon runner. She was, you know, hey. Uh, this past weekend or, or sometime they, they held a memorial run for her. Wow. Wow. Um, then we go ahead a few hours. He was late, an hour or so. He was later uh, apprehended. And that's when they discovered that, you know, they found out he had a shotgun. And when they did finally decide to advance and go into that barn, that's when they discovered he had a gunshot wound to the head. Still in, unclear if it was RPD or the Wake Sheriff's deputy or if it was himself. Maybe he, 
gunshot wound to the head. He may have tried to take his own life. But one of the things that came out on that on radio traffic, they said when they, they you know, they pretty much lit the barn up and they advanced in when they got there. He was on the ground with the shotgun. He was still trying to pull the damn trigger. What in the world was wrong with this child, this kid, this murderer? Like I said, a murderer is a murderer to me. Yeah, they walked into the barn, they advanced, and when they got in there, they said he was still trying to pull the trigger on the shotgun, but it wasn't working. It probably was out of bullets. Wow. This was a day of horror. This 15-year-old kid murdered five people. Just like that. Planned, orchestrated, cold, calculated attack. Because it's like one of those uh, uh, officials said, there's no way in the world how he moved and how fast he had to know that greenway because for him to pop back in onto that greenway and then hop over that bridge or walk across that bridge and then come back on the straight and narrow, that I guess that's the populated part of the greenway where people walk and exercise and to kill those final two victims, final two women. Yeah, he had, he, he had this planned. He just did. It was planned. It just was. Uh, like I said, still no word on his motive. I guess he's still in uh, grave condition, as they said, or critical condition. I uh, haven't really heard anything as to uh, how he's doing. The uh, 52-year-old woman that was also shot in the head, uh, she's been upgraded. Like I told you guys, uh, she's they're saying she's doing well. She still has a long road to recovery because those were the last two surviving vi victims, the 52-year-old female and then himself being the shooter also. So she's doing better. He's still in grave condition. Wow. Just wow. Uh, no words. No words. Like I said, now we know and we have a bit of, bit of an update, I guess. Uh, still no motive as to why he did it. No one knows. No one knows. But to kill and stab your brother in that home. What happened? You, did your brother try to confront you and tell you, hey, go sit down somewhere? What are you doing? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right, let's move along here also. Man, looks like Great Britain has a new prime minister for the third time this year. After uh, Liz Truss stepped down last week, you know, she took over for, uh, what was that, Boris Johnson? <laughs> she took over for him after he was forced to resign and and she came, she was trying to implement some policies, what they term uh, uh, liberal policies, and they were like, no, thank you, get out of here. She only spent 40 day, 45 days in office, by the way. So they now have a gentleman, uh, a, a, a finance minister by the name of Sanuk. And I hope I'm saying his name right. That's his last name. He's a uh, South Asian and Hindu Indian. He's from India. Or his folks are from India. Uh, making him the first person of color and also the youngest person who has ever held this position in 42 years. Well, he's 42. I'm sorry. He's 42 and he's the first, he's the youngest person to hold this position in 200 years. Man, like I said, he's a finance minister. Um, he's left now with trying to rebuild the economy because just like here in the United States, Great Britain is going into a recession. Uh, and and it's having a part, the, the conservative party, which he belongs to after uh, Boris Johnson and, and, and his debacle or whatever you call it, uh, that conservative party in Britain, Great Britain, is in turmoil. And the nation as a whole is in turmoil. People are disgruntled at, at, at the way the country is going economically. And there has even been talks of strikes. Wow. So he's taken over uh, the first person of color, Hindu, 42 years old. Wow. Uh, he's a finance man minister. 
uh, he and his wife, they're pretty much uh, rich and successful. Uh, his wife's father, I believe, uh, they're quite wealthy. So uh, they, they kind of hinted at, but didn't really say it, that he married into a wealthy family. Okay, all right. Uh, that happens all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. I mean, uh, I guess I, I have no words. I don't know why they would put that out there. Who knows? Who knows? But we'll see what hap what's going to happen with Great Britain. Uh, Boris, oh, Boris tried to come back, but he still didn't have enough of the votes. People were, I guess, the, those inside that conservative party were probably like, you got to be kidding me, man. Go sit down. He even left his little family vacation. I think they said he was in the Bahamas with his family. And we got word that Liz Truss had stepped down. He rushed back. Uh, he should have stayed where you at, homie, because they told you to beat feet. <laughs> they just did. They just did. All right. Uh, let's go on here. Also, man, there has been a lawsuit filed against L'Oreal. The cosmetic and uh, well, the beauty company, uh, and apparently, what's come out is uh, their hair straightening products, perms, uh, has caused a, uh, what they're saying. There's a large number of black women that have developed uterine cancer from using their products, and they're asking for all the products to be pulled from the store shelves. Now, the attorney that's in charge of the lawsuit or filed the lawsuit is uh, civil rights attorney Ben Crump. And he was on the news and, and he, you know, he had, he was surrounded by women and men, but he asked uh, black women and men, he asked, he asked for a show of hand, hands of black women that have been using uh, dye. And every woman that was standing, uh, I'm sorry, had been using this uh, hair straightening perms products and every black woman that was there raised their hand. Uh, the one woman that spurred the con uh, this lawsuit, uh, she said, hey, I've been using perms since I was three years old. And sometime back in 2018, that's when she discovered she had uterine cancer. Uh, I think she's in her 30s. So she said that not only did that she have to have a full hysterectomy, but she's going through menopause also. And she's saying uh, quite possibly uh, the direct link. And it has, I, I want to say it's been proven, but we've always kind of knew that those hair straightening chemicals, they weren't good for uh, women and, and, and their body as a whole, but she's saying that that uterine cancer, because no one in her family has uterine cancer. She was young. I believe she was in her late 20s, maybe in her 30s or whatever, early th uh, 30s, and she developed uterine cancer somehow, some way. And she's saying it's because of L'Oreal's hair care products, perms. Good old fashioned perm, uh, not the lie perm. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, I, I am of that age. I can remember those lie perms. I remember going to the beauty parlor with my mother because I was the only child and she was a single mother. And let me just tell you, those things stink. <laughs> that old lie perm, good Lord, it stunk. It just did. It's, it just did. Keep you guys updated on that also, man. That's something. And um, Putin. Is back at it again. This time he announced that the Ukraine is threatening to use a dirty bomb. And of course, if you don't know what a dirty bomb is, it's a nuclear weapon that has radioactive nuclear waste material and explosives in it. Ukraine fired back and said, no, that's not us. That's Russia. That's Putin just using this statement as a ploy for Russia to use it on us. Hmm. Well, looks like old Putin is still up to his tricks. Dirty bomb. Wow. Came out and said uh, Ukraine's using a dirty, get ready to use a dirty bomb. Uh, of course, you know, the White House denounced it. 
and said if Putin in any way, shape, form, or fashion tries anything like that, he will be condemned. I don't think Putin cares about being condemned by the United States. Matter of fact, I know he doesn't care. And he'll tell you himself, he doesn't give a hoot about being banned and disc, uh, belittled by the United States. He just doesn't. He just doesn't. Wow. Dirty bomb. Wow. That guy. He, it is what it is. It is what it is, folks. It just is. Um, and a bit of a sad story. And it, it echoes and signals uh, uh, mental health. Many say it's a mental health crisis in this country. Yes, it is. Of course. But here in Durham, North Carolina, last week, a mental health nurse was stabbed to death by her patient. Now, this patient, he does have a history of uh, assault on females and aggravated assault and whatever, 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 what have you. But he was released from jail just four months ago because he had another assault charge in which he attacked another nurse, tried to choke her. And he went to jail. I believe they said it was back in 2018 or 2019. And he's only he just got out and um, four months ago and he kills someone. Now, that former nurse, uh, the previous one where he served the prison term for that aggravated assault uh, on a female, uh, she wrote a letter to the judge, warning the judge, emphasizing to the judge his violence. She didn't say he had a mental health problem. She said he was extremely violent. And it showed. He killed a mental health nurse that was there to help him last week. Stabbed her to death. Middle of the day, just did, just did. And of course, as you know, her family is just distraught, as well they should be. Um, Not trying to belittle or degrade this mental health crisis we have in this country, because we do have a problem with mental health. But when someone does something like this in a previous case, and then you sit there and let him out, and he's been out four months, and he turns right back around, and this time he takes it a step further and kills someone. That just doesn't say mental health to me. That says what we've been saying continuously for years, decades here in Durham, North Carolina. We have a revolving door as it relates to our justice system and how the criminals go in and how they come out. I mean, like I said, that previous incident happened back in 2018 or 2019. Uh, what, two or three years later, he gets out and he kills someone this time. kills a, uh, He attacked the nurse that was helping him before. She was a previous one, was a mental health nurse also. He attacked her, tried to choke her, and then he ends up stabbing this one to death. Not too sure about the mental health aspect, but I know about the judicial aspect. This is that revolving door that resides here in Durham, like many people say, across this nation. It seems like you're letting the violent ones out too soon. If that that nurse wrote that letter to that judge, I wonder what the judge's decision was to give that give him uh, however many, how many years he gave him, and what was the decision of that parole board to let him out? And he was wearing an anchor monitor, by the way, when he killed that nurse. So it's been monitored. <laughs> He was going to his appointments. I'm not laughing, but it, it, it's sickening. So he's being monitored. He was going to his appointment, and he ends up killing a mental health nurse. That was there. Her only purpose was to help him 
through his problems. Yeah, the revolving door here in Durham, North Carolina, man, it's aggravating. It just is. It just is. Gotta say it. Got to say it. It's aggravating. And it shows continuously because not just this guy, but there's been several instances where these, you know, these these criminals go in and then sometime later, a few years later, they end up coming back out and doing something. If not the same thing, then they do something worse. So, like I said, I don't know about that mental health aspect of it. I just don't. But, man, we've got to do something. It's a daunting task because, yeah, you want to help those that have mental health problems. But at the same time, if they're violent and criminals, you need to make sure they they stay in to get the help they need. Uh, Not sure how or why he got out so early. I mean, like I said, he had an assault charge for trying to choke that previous nurse. Violent, obviously. You knew he had the tendencies to be violent because she wrote a note and told you. She was his nurse. She had been with him, talked to him. She understood where he was at mentally and violently, apparently. Well, ain't no apparently. uh, She knew. And then he comes out four months later and ends up killing a nurse. Same scenario almost. Just is. Just is. Uh, something to make you think about is is the, the quest for our mental health, is it superseding uh, justice? I think it is. And maybe there'll be a few that slip through the cracks. Maybe these are the numbers. They've crunched the numbers and have their st- statistics and say, ah, oh, it's not that big of a problem. But that is a big problem for me because you knew what this guy was about and you guys let him out and he ended up killing this time. Hmm. Makes you think. Makes you think. All right. Let's go get it. Now, this is going to be part one because time is winding down. So this will be the beginning. I'll give you a a brief introduction as to what I'm going to be talking about today, because uh, this is something that it it does tell a tale. It tells a tale that we knew was coming eventually. So it it really shouldn't be too surprising. Now, uh, and I quote here, appalling and unacceptable. Now, this was a statement that was released by the... uh, the, U- the United States Education Secretary, according to her, is appalling and unacceptable as it relates to the nation's low test scores for public education. And coincidentally, here in North Carolina, and that's what I'm going to be talking about here in North Carolina, because this is a, they're saying across the nation, they notice that the test scores are, are extremely low. Now, here in North Carolina, the test scores are extremely low, and it mirrors the national average for uh, more specifically, fourth and eighth grade students. Now, they're saying the scores are some of the lowest in 20 years in reading and math. No surprise there. We knew it was coming. We knew this was coming. We knew this was coming. But there's a twist. And uh, stand by for part two, and I'll give you that twist. Yeah, I gave you a little hanger. I just did. I just did. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank, well, that's not all for me today because I'll be doing a part two. 
I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. And I would love to hear your voice, so offer feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Verbal, and WordPress. My name is Stephen Carnegie. Thank you for listening. This is just a thought. Amen. All right. Thank you for returning. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and this is going to be part two on the the nations, and more specifically, the state of North Carolina low test scores for uh, our kiddies in grades fourth and eighth grade. And now, um, like I told you in the previous, uh, the U.S. Education Secretary saying it's appalling and unacceptable as a nation, as a whole, for these low test scores for public education. And that includes just regular uh, public schools and the nation's charter public charter schools also. They've seen a decline in test scores. Now, uh, like I said, North Carolina test scores for uh, fourth and eighth grader, it mirrors the national average. And it has called many uh, to be alarmed. It's been the lowest in 20. They're saying these are the lowest numbers they've seen in 20 years in reading and math. Now, the North Carolina Board of Education says it's, it was expecting that they were going to hear these numbers. They were expecting a drop because they've seen a, a drop in uh, not just the nation, but the state also. They noticed a drop in these test scores. Now, the nation's report card says that the average test scores uh, have dropped for fourth graders and reading and math. It also says the average test scores have dropped and for eighth graders and reading and math also. But one thing that really uh, kind of struck me, and, and, and if you're a parent, you know, or we've all been through uh, school, it also says that uh, students' confidence in reading and math has dropped also. So the average test scores for those in the fourth grade in reading and math and eighth grade in reading and math, that has dropped. And the students' confidence and their skill set in reading and math have declined also. Now, that's got to be, many are saying that, but they noticed that the largest loss or the largest drop was from students that were already struggling. There's no surprise there. There's no surprise there. Now. a few have came out and they've stopped short of blaming COVID fully because I'll get to it in a little while because, hey, maybe COVID may not be the main problem, but it's most certainly a contributing factor. Uh, two years out of school, virtual learning, uh, man, need I say more? We knew this was coming. Just like the state said, they knew those scores were going to be low. And, and so I don't really don't know what the... Uh, <laughs> This 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 uh, education secretary is acting like there uh, he or she is so appalled. I believe it's she. She's so appalled. I, I don't understand how you could be. Uh, what planet have you been living in on the past two years? We knew these scores were going to be low. Uh, they're saying it's not because of COVID fully. Understand that. Get it. Got it. Understand it. I don't understand how you just couldn't. You didn't see it coming. Everyone else saw it coming. I saw it coming as a, a parent and as a citizen. I knew common sense Common sense dictated that you got these kids out of school for two years. 
learning online, something that's foreign and new, but it's uh, unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's politicians talking. Ain't nobody falling for that. Now, why I said they're not going to fully blame COVID is because what they did, they went back some years. Remember, I told you it's been the lowest test scores in, in 20 years. Uh, they went back to 2015 and they said that fourth grade reading scores have been dropping six, since 2015. They also said fourth grade math scores have been dropping since 2013. And eighth grade reading and math scores, of course, at a 20-year low. So they went back to 2015, fourth grade uh, reading, uh, scores have been dropping. Uh, Fourth grade math went back to 2013, scores have been dropping. And eighth grade reading and math as a whole, it's been 20 years. So how did we fix this? How do they plan on fixing this problem with these test scores? And how more specifically or more for me it's how do you fix the confidence of these kids because that's what the national report card says it says that the confidence of these students with these low test scores and their ability to utilize the math and reading skills is low also kids don't have the confidence anymore why they don't have the confidence because hey, they were. It's obvious, whatever confidence they built up, going up into 2015, 2013, all the way to 2019, 2020, because that's when COVID really took off, and we know we went through that quarantine. They locked the schools down, kicked the kids out, and, and sent them home, or we had to go pick up those little Google Chromebooks. So that these kids' confidence is shot off to be damned. Can't say I didn't see that coming. Um, I guess you you, you could say that repetition builds confidence. Yeah. So if these kids have been in school uh, more consistently, whether you want to blame it on COVID or whatever, what have you, uh, I know they're saying they went back and they've noticed that there's been a steady decline, but you got to admit COVID may not be the contributing factor, but it, it sure played a hand in it. It just did. So once again, I asked, how do we fix this? Well, Excuse me. Uh, Some school districts here in uh, North Carolina are enrolling these struggling students in what they call multiple math classes at a time. I guess that's when you uh, go back to the basics. You go back to an area where you're struggling at and you learn the basics and learn that. And then you build from there. You move on to the next section, next section, next session, section until you're um, caught back up. And, you know, if you want to think about math, It's like uh, decimals. If you notice that they're having a problem with decimals, so if you can't do the decimals, you can't do the fractions, you can't do the division, whatever, or or maybe you you multiplication and division. So they may send you back or or have you, you're still in your regular class, but you're taking separate math classes where you're learning your multiplication and division, and then you go on to your decimals, then you go on to your fractions or whatever, what have you, so so far, so, so, so on, so on, so on, until you get caught back up. That sounds like a good plan. I can't find any argument with that. And also what they're doing for reading is they're uh, implementing a more comprehensive phonics phonics program for reading. Yeah, it's needed. You know, I just finished a project. (laughs) Man, me working with this little girl, my daughter, it's like pulling teeth, pulling teeth. 
But I, I notice as a parent, and I'm gonna be fully honest with you, and that's what I think a lot of parents are gonna have to do. They're gonna have to be fully honest with themselves and their kids. I noticed, and I noticed it last year when when school started back. I noticed. I said to you know, said to myself, I said, "Wow, this is going to be a problem," because uh, I noticed her skill set was off and confidence was off. Just like that national report card said about that confidence and those kids uh, feeling their inability as it relates to them having the skills and and, and knowledge to uh, complete math and reading. I noticed that with my daughter. You know. Um, COVID, it it really, it exposed a lot, just like I said, as it relates to the infrastructure, how this country is ran, how businesses are ran, it exposed a lot. Now you got to add education to this. It exposed our educational flaws in our educational system. It showed, it tipped its hand. It tipped the education system's hand. We don't have a solid education system in this country. We just don't. Public education system, I should say. We just don't. And COVID exposed that. Now, they went back, like I said, 20 years, 2013, 2015, and yada, 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 and all this and that. They're saying there was a steady decline. It was always falling down. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I give you that. But COVID exposed it, and it exposed it for uh, the younger kids. Because like I said, I just start, I just finished working with her on a, a, a science project she had to turn in the day for uh, uh, the water cycle. And I noticed last year also when I used to, when I worked with her on her homework, uh, her confidence was off. Her skills were off. So just like they're implementing now where they had to go back and and they're having these kids in multiple, uh, multiple math classes where they're going back to the the basics and then building on that. That's exactly what I had to do. As a parent, I had to bite the bullet. Yeah, I was tired. I was exhausted. I had been out working all day, dealing with whatever, what have you. But I knew my child was struggling, and I didn't want her to fall behind. Uh, it's still like pulling teeth. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure. It may be a little bit of uh, her not having the confidence or the skills, but I'm leaning more and more every day that I work with her. I'm leaning towards her stubbornness. I wonder where she got that from. <laughs> uh, so I'm have to, I'm having to combat that also having to get get on her and and sit down and talk to her about that stubbornness. Uh, this these test scores numbers is showing a lot. It's showing a lot about our kids and about our education. Now, like I said, with the phonics program for reading, you know that that's good, and, and uh, the the backtracking or. Uh, keeping you in the class, but also allowing you to a lot time for you to go back and learn the basics so you can build up to where the class and where you're supposed to be at grade level, that those are excellent plans. Um, I wish them the best in luck of implementing that. And I hope they get the funding they need. This ain't no debate. As far as I can see, give these teachers, give these school districts the funds they need. Let's not hold back here. Stop playing this little political game or tax game. Give them what they need because these kids are struggling. Um, I don't. I, I hope and pray that we don't have uh, generations because of COVID and because of uh, funding and, and the political sizing of education. I, don't, we, I hope we don't have adults out here in this world sometime down the line, 10 years from now, and we realize or we have to admit 
We should have put that money into the educational system when public education when we should have. Because they dare I say they're, they're going we're gonna have adults sometime down the line if this isn't done and if these changes aren't implemented and and the attention and care and funding isn't given, we're gonna have a bunch of adults walking around here that are gonna be just lost. We just are. We just are. Now another program they're also uh pushing they, they're saying they're also pushing and they also have implemented programs for more tutors in school during the day. You know, before it was just after school. So they're allowing these tutors to come in during the day. And perhaps if they're not doing it inside the class, they're taking them to another classroom where they're working in small groups. That's two to three in a group. Now, there's a North Carolina nonprofit that in uh, 2021 to uh, 2022, they had 179 tutors and 24 school districts and public charter schools here in North Carolina. But in 2022 through the 2023 school year, they now have 363 tutors and 29 school districts and charter schools. Yes. Thank you. That's a, that's probably what is needed. Along with that, for that math, and, and, and I can't emphasize that enough about allowing these kids, and that's probably where these tutors are coming in, to go back and build up on those skills. Because if you build up on this, those skills, the confidence is going to come back. The kids are going, to, are going to be more confident in what they're doing, what they're doing. Like they probably had the confidence before COVID. Like I said, they slopped short and they really didn't want to say it was COVID. But COVID exposed a lot in this country. It exposed a lot, like I said, with the financial, with the business, with the uh, economy, with the, uh, the, the the politics. Yeah, it exposed the politics too. The foolishness that was going on. Don't wear a mask. You can't tell me wear a mask. I don't want to take the vaccine. You want? I, yeah. And now we know it exposed it with our education. And now we have to admit because we, I knew. Uh, I talked to you guys about two years ago, right when COVID was starting, and I asked you guys the question, and I said, "Can you imagine a kindergartner?" starting school for the first time and having to sit and stare at a computer a computer monitor for however long he has to stare at that computer monitor so uh here we are two going on three years later the roosters have came home to roost this is covid um those fourth and eighth grade numbers for math and reading Fourth grade, I kind of give you because the kids are just starting to learn how things work, how their mind is, is geared, how they have to recall, have to, how they have to hold on to certain things and recall it on the spot, on the fly or whatever, whether it be in reading and the comprehension or in math and the implementation of skills you needed to do certain math problems. But when you get to the eighth grade and you tell me there's a problem with eighth graders and they're reading and math and they're on their way to high school. That screams something to me. COVID. COVID exposed it. I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you folks. And I think many of you out there, you can't sugarcoat it either. Long gone are the days at, uh, of parents just uh, pushing their kids on the school bus, dropping them off at school, and let the teacher have them for uh, however many hours, seven or eight hours a day. And then they, they go and pick them up or they they that come back home and the parents just, you know, hey, whatever, do your homework. Those days are gone. This is going to take a community effort. We can't just drop 
everything at the teachers and administrator and administrators and that North Carolina Board of Education. Us as parents, us as citizens. So that means uh, your grandmamas, your aunts, your older cousins, your big brother, your big sisters, whoever, mom and dad, whoever is in that household and whoever is in close proximity to that child, meaning you're in their life, you're going to have the help too. We can't no longer, once again, I said COVID exposed our educational flaws. And this is part of our educational flaws. We all know how we would we used to do as parents. Drop the kids off at school or put them on the school bus and let the teacher deal with them for eight hours. Those days are gone. Now you're going to get more, you're going to have to get more hands on. Ain't no question about it. Ain't no doubt about it. That's like I told you last year. It started last year and I knew and I started working with my daughter and I realized what was going on. I said, oh, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to help her. Uh, just like I told you, I just finished that science project with her. Boy, it was like pulling teeth. <laughs> but we finally got it done. We finally got it done. Um, I will say I, I noticed somewhat her, her confidence is coming back up because she's able to do things without me, you know, by me working on that project with her, uh, I would leave. And, and when I come back, she would already have a, already have a part of it done. She did it on her own. So she's getting her confidence back as opposed to last year when I would have to sit there with her and go through it step by step by step by step. Yeah. The confidence of these kids, that's the catalyst for me because you and I, as adult, we've, we've been through school, we've been through life. We know if we if our confidence is off, if we don't have confidence in our ability or skills to do any and everything in life, it's a wrap. We're not going to be we're not going to do too well. We're not going to fare too well. We're not going to do anything. So it's the same thing with your kids. So it's going to have to it's going to it's going to take a community effort. Everyone is going to have to help all hands on deck. There's no debate. There's no question of it. And also with these um, politicians. And what's going to happen, uh, these school districts, school administrators, teachers are going to start asking for more money. You got to come up off that money. You just do. Let's not fail our kids. Now, let's take away from the teachers and the administrators and the principals or whatever. We can't fail our kids by making this a hot button political issue or tax issue where we say we don't have the funding. It ain't going to work. We've got to, got to get this funding in here. Uh, that article I read, uh, which I've been talking about this story, uh, I didn't talk about the funding. It just dealt with the actual on-hands educational aspect of it. Yeah, but we all know sooner or later uh, that COVID relief funding money, it won't long money. <laughs> it wasn't long money. So they're going to be back asking for more. And they're, they're going to need it. Man, especially here in North Carolina. And it's mirroring throughout this country. Fourth graders. Eighth graders. Eighth graders that are on their way to high school. They're getting ready to go to high school. Uh, another thing that I read and talked about, and, and there's some problems with, uh, you know, the, those high schoolers. Uh, they 10th grade. They were placed on lockdown. They were given those Google Chromebooks and a lot of them graduated last year or maybe they were in the ninth grade when COVID started and they're getting ready to graduate this year. A lot of colleges and universities are reporting that those that have graduated that are now enrolled in college, 
are off. Their skill sets are off also. They can't do certain things because they they weren't in the classroom. They didn't get that one-on-one. So, wow. It is... This right here is 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 just screaming at you. It's saying a whole lot. If college and u- colleges and university are now saying those seniors that have graduated, incoming freshmen or incoming sophomores or whatever, what have you, have a problem with their skill sets, also because hey, it's it's been reported, it's been discussed, and this is also something we were knew we we knew was going to happen. We knew this was coming down the pipe too. So this is the future. This is why I said we can't uh, skimp out on that that funding. Can't skimp out, skip out on that time that we need to allot to help our children with their education as parents and citizens. It's going to take all hands on deck. Everyone is going to have to get involved. Or else we're going to have a generation or two of people that just, they're just going to be mindless. Their skill set, skill set is going to be completely off. It just is. So um, if I could say anything uh, to anyone out there that, that may be a parent or you may be a big brother, big sister, you may have a little cousin or a little niece or nephew or your uncle, aunt, whatever, what have you, uh, help that child with their education. Uh, I'm not the most uh, astute. I wasn't the most studious child in school. (laughs) And I hear a lot of people saying it, they're giving it lip service, but whatever it takes, as far as my child's education, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put the best foot forward. And it ain't no Facebook meme, ain't no Instagram meme, ain't no mean tweet. It is a fact of life for me. Whatever it takes me as a parent to ensure that my child is, is ready and has the skill sets to compete in education, I will do it. And I think a lot of others of, uh, out here, they're going to have to do the same thing. They're going to have to follow suit. Just are. Uh, no more coming home from work and just sitting around. And you're going to have to deal with your child. <laughs> ah, just like when COVID started, I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of you out there realized or came to the realization that when these teachers were calling, when these teachers were requesting conferences by email or text messages or calling or whatever or sending notes home saying that your child was in there doing you know what or this, you now realize they weren't lying. <laughs> After being locked down with your child for two years, you realize they weren't lying. And you realize, after, I hope after you hear, I'm sure many of us have heard it because I heard it this morning and I read the article uh, or I heard it uh, a day or so ago and then I read the article you're realizing if you're doing your job as a parent and you're sitting there with your child trying to help them with their work, you're realizing these numbers aren't lying. They are telling the truth because I know I have. And my child is in the fifth grade. She's getting ready to go to middle school. Yeah. So I know. I know the importance. And whatever it takes for me to help those teachers, I will do and I will do gladly. I just will. So um, God, kudos to the state for implementing these uh, new ways of, of getting these kids back to the standards of getting their skills and confidence back up because that is much needed. Your confidence dictates a lot in what you do in life and what you're going to do and what you don't do. It just does. And 
hats off to this North Carolina nonprofit that I'm sure they got some funding from that uh, COVID relief funding, and they increased those tutors in those schools so much so that they can now take these kids into small group settings and help them with this math and reading. The basics that are needed in life just are. Can't skip out on this, folks. We can't say and turn a blind eye and say, oh, they don't need the money. They'll be all right. Because if we don't, they're not going to be all right. They're just not. They're in need of help. I don't know about you, but like I said, whatever it takes, I will do. I just will. Well, I'm going to get out of here. I've taken up enough of your time today. I just have. Ooh, wow, that's that's a lot. We, we've had a lot going on in, <clears throat> over the past week, the past few weeks, looks like in this country and throughout the world. And now we're finding out about these uh, educational numbers. That's a lot. That's, that, that is. So uh, you as a parent, help your child. Come on, cut the crap. Stop this. Hey, my baby. No, help your child. Your child's been out of school for two years, sitting there staring at a, a computer screen. No hands-on, no one-on-one, no interaction, not only with just not the uh, teacher, but no interaction with pupils, kids their age. That's where that confidence is coming into play also. That's another part of that confidence, that human interaction. We need it. And we needed it then, and we sure need it now. Maybe we're getting it back. Maybe we're getting back. All right, let me uh, get on out of here. That's all for me today, and I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response, and I would love to hear your voice. So offer feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Verbal, and WordPress. And as always, wherever you are streaming, hit that like and subscribe button so you can get notified when I drop these podcasts. Keep you in the loop. My name is Stephen Carnegie. Thank you for listening. This is Just a Thought. Amen.